Kairos Milwaukee United Church of Christ presents Where Two or Three Are Gathered, a reflection by the Reverend Jean Randall Bodman, presented on Sunday, September 6th, 2020. Jesus said, wherever two or three of you are gathered together, there will be conflict, because that's what humans do. We get crosswise with each other, misunderstand each other. We get afraid and defensive we hurt each other's feelings, and we get our feelings hurt. Often, the hurt we cause is unintentional, but sometimes it is quite deliberate. Our passage from Matthew offers us some basic principles for how to handle it when conflict crops up in church, which is interesting because, of course, there was nothing called church during the lifetime of Jesus which suggests to me that the author of Matthew was remembering the words of Jesus and writing down this advice because his community needed it. Because there was some conflict going on already in Matthew's very early church. A church that was made up mostly of Jewish followers of Jesus, now gathered into church and immediately they needed to know how to handle conflict. What Matthew remembered from Jesus's teaching was that Jesus warned against the usual counterproductive and even death-dealing ways that we humans are so often tempted to handle our conflict. Our first temptation is, of course, to avoid it altogether. Not to avoid it because we have released it or forgiven it, but avoiding it by shoving it down and storing it up by holding on tightly to it. If that strategy doesn't work, we're often tempted to gossip and triangulate, to tell other people about some behavior that has hurt or offended us, rather than taking it directly to the person who caused the hurt. This can fuel our righteous indignation, giving energy to the temptation to gang up on each other, to recruit like-minded people to our side, and to create an echo chamber of our grievance. In these echo chambers, we can air our grievance to an already like-minded audience, an audience not inclined to see the other point of view or to hold us accountable for any part we might have played in the conflict, which by this time, may have been left behind in the rush and noise to condemn and to condemn the other and to justify ourselves. Finally, we're tempted to regard our opponents as if they didn't belong to our community at all. And perhaps they never really did. This teaching of Jesus addresses these temptations one by one. First, Avoidance without forgiveness and release is not a healthy option. If someone has offended you, if someone keeps hurting you, don't avoid that reality. Tell the person who has caused the harm directly, one-on-one. -on -one. Second, no gossiping. Take the issue directly to the person. Go privately. 
The goal is communication and reconciliation, not shaming and not point scoring. This gives you, the offended one, the chance to be heard. And with no one else present, it will be easier for the person you're confronting to avoid defensiveness. It allows the accused person to explain, to add context, to apologize, and to make amends privately. If you've ever been hurt by somebody in community and taken this path, you'll know how scary it can be to make a beginning and how healing and even joyful it can be when it goes well and relationship is restored. But it doesn't always go well. And when it doesn't go well, we're often tempted to angrily withdraw into our corner and to nurse our injury, to turn the other person from my friend and community member who hurt me into an opponent or even an enemy. From there, it is a short step to venting our hurt and anger and gathering a group of like-minded people around us to bolster our claim and soothe our injury. People who, who will affirm how very right we are and how very wrong our opponent is. But the Jesus way says, pause. Tell only one or two other people what has happened and take them with you as you once again speak directly to the person who has offended you. Those one or two can serve as witnesses to keep the conversation on track and only about the harm caused, to help the accuser speak honestly and directly, to give the offender a chance to understand and turn, to help the accuser understand that they may have had a role in what happened. Because again, the goal is not winning a competition, but gaining a restored relationship and wholeness for the community. And if this strategy doesn't work, the temptation to create a sympathetic echo chamber of the like-minded, the right-minded, will grow. But again, Jesus says, no, don't split the church. Don't try to create factions and parties. When that happens, it is an easy step to lose sight altogether of the original offense and to simply be on the winning team, the right team. Instead, Jesus says, bring it up to the whole community where whatever has happened can be addressed in a transparent way. And then if one person has caused harm and cannot or will not ask forgiveness and make amends, well, you are then required in the Jesus way to treat them like a Gentile or a tax collector. Now this instruction taken out of its immediate context in this chapter and, even, and the even larger context of the Gospel of Matthew has been used to justify exclusion, excommunication, and shunning. But in Matthew, this teaching appears immediately after the story of the shepherd with the 100 sheep. The shepherd who, whose one sheep goes missing and who goes after that one sheep leaving the 99 behind because the lost one 
everyone is so precious. If the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Listen to it again in the translation of Eugene Peterson. If he won't listen to the church, you'll have to start over from scratch. Confront him with the need for repentance and offer again God's forgiving love. Matthew himself, for whom the gospel is named, was a tax collector before he became a disciple. The story goes like this. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. All of this makes good sense to me for living in a healthy community, especially in a small face-to-face -face community, such as the one we share together. Don't avoid one another when you are hurt. Trust each other enough to speak face-to-face. -face. Don't gossip, don't draw up sides, don't escalate. If someone has truly committed a harm and can't hear it from only one or two, it may take the whole community to show them the kind of love and mercy that Jesus showed the tax collector and the sinner. But why am I talking about keeping peace in church when the world is on fire? We're already good at this in our community. We don't tend to gossip or try to create factions when we've disappointed one another. We try hard to be direct and transparent and loving, and we're good at it. Why? Why is this important? To remember and to rehearse? Because church is the practice grounds to prepare us for the world. I don't know about you, but right now, I do have issues with anger and fear, with a certain amount of dread and hurt and rage. They have nothing to do with this community or my friend circle or my family circle. It's the larger community of the country where I feel hurt, offended, and frightened to the point of anger. But what we practice together prepares us for living in these times, in this country, in this world. Church will be the ground from which we can work for justice, not avoiding the things that harm us as a community, but speaking up, remembering that our goal is transformation and repair of our national community, healing for the world. So even where the divisions feel the most impossible to overcome, we can talk about actual harms without merely vilifying the other, the other side, remembering that they too are human. And as humans, they are beloved. We can work for justice and when it is possible, reconciliation and let go of a need for vengeance. And instead of rage, we can rise in hope. Amen. Mm -hmm.
sun.